A party divided. Has their fate been decided? Find out on this episode of The Hapless Heroes. Stop letting him know I'm here. Hello and welcome to the Hapless Heroes Podcast. My name is Dave and I will be your host and Dungeon Master for this evening. And we are going to start this evening with our grand tradition that we start with every evening, where I start by introing my cast, starting to my right with Francesco as the fabulous Felix Fizzlebottom. I have a plan. To his right, we have John as Lord Jarrell the Light. Just you and me, Felix. To his right, we have the triumphant return of Mike as Lord and Captain, Quinn Southwind. What room am I going to again? And to his right, we have Phil as Arasatra. It's right this way, Captain. We need to go. Hurry up. Now, where we last left off, we had a party ever so slightly split. Now, uh, two of our folks, uh, we had uh, Felix and Jarrell. Um, they're a little uh, further up in the tower. Um, I know what room I have it labeled as, room two in my notes, but it's a uh, sort of a circular room with four platforms, the northernmost one being having been destroyed by uh, one of those automata that you had fought in this very room. The other two of you, Quinn and Arasatra, are in the room with the levers. Now, were there any other things that we needed to keep in mind uh, for this session uh, coming in? Uh, I did have a moonbeam that I was concentrating on when I leapt through the portal. However, I misspoke in the last episode. My Warcaster feat only counts as an advantage on concentration saving throws when I'm taking damage, not jumping through portals. So since I don't remember what my original role was... Uh, I'm just going to say I don't need the moonbeam right now. <laughs> Fair enough, because I'm, I'm trying to remember what the moonbeam was really doing for you. Yeah, there We had destroyed... Active, there was no target-rich environment anymore. No, yeah, no longer. No longer. But I can hold concentration. So long as I'm holding concentration, it'll just walk with me. But Oh, I gotcha. Um, huh. So we're just trying to conserve the spell slot. Yeah, I think we can let that one go for now. Well, and I misspoke anyway. So these lovers aren't going to pull themselves, Captain. Right. The only other thing to note is that I had the Crown of Stars active as well, and I've used one yep. of the seven charges. Yes, I do remember that. Okay, so uh, we've got those. We've got the rooms the two of you are in, and we're going to conveniently ignore the last several weeks' worth of episodes because, frankly, you guys don't know about anything going on in any of them. I nope. literally don't know anything. <laughs> so all you know is that you have got a school full of students on the other side of that hallway with all the gates that are controlled by the levers. 
and that you're trying to save them by locking them in? At least until the situation is... Closing the blast shields. Close the blast shield. Uh, that's how we're going to massage this. Okay. <laughs> it seems like the right decision to make because most of these students, while armed, aren't really very well equipped to deal with useless. what we're dealing with. The word is useless. I'm just trying to be diplomatic. Also, I can't talk to you right now. They, I mean, they were locked in intentionally. When we were leaving to go back to where we came from, more of those automaton were coming their way. So, like, we, we're not going to let a bunch of kids get slaughtered by giant robot beasts. No, we're not. <laughs> That's not our game, man. <laughs> I'm still not sure why the undead want anything to do with this place. I imagine there's something they're after. Not the school itself, not the people here. I mean, they are a you know, wave of destruction, but what does this little island have to do with any of the continent? Are you going to start pulling levers or not? I Yes, I've been doing this. Please, stop distracting me. <laughs> so it is noted that you are pulling levers. Are there any specific uh, levers you're pulling, or are you just pulling away at levers? Oh, as I remember, uh, the code... Like up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. So I'm just like returning them back to the original state. To center, yeah. Yeah, to center on the on the axis. Okay, and uh, you do that. And those levers have been returned to the center. You don't hear any particular sounds, but I don't recall you having heard any particular sounds when you did nope. it the first time. So, And the uh, display at the end goes blank again. Great. Um, Captain, there's a door on the other side of these bars. Do you think there's any merit to maybe investigating that? I think you should. Well, I'll have to, um, excuse me. And Arasatra's form, this large fur bulb, will start to shrink as she incants a wild shape to a rat. Something that can fit between these bars, as I remember the other half of the room was like cordoned off by these bars and there was a door or hatch on the other side. Yes, there is a hatch into the bottom of the floor. At, uh, if you are looking through the bars, it is at the back right corner of the room. The rest of this room is suspiciously, or maybe unsuspiciously, it depends on how you feel about it, completely empty beyond the bars here. And these bars were pretty tight together, but if you're going down to rat size, that is not going to be an issue for you. It was the only way she saw around it, but she understood, like, there's something to this room. And there's obviously something, you know, important beyond some of these barriers. They probably keep things. So she's interested. She'll go down to rat form, go through the bars, and then revert back to her normal size and open up the hatch. Okay. Well, that's a clever little trick. Opening up the hatch, you find a rolled up rope ladder just inside. And what you also see is this hatch goes way down into a big open space. The floor being about 40 or so feet below you, and opening up into the cavernous main room at the bottom of the tower. 
The one that was full of automaton? The one that had the center area between the supports full of automata, and they are there still. Arasatra will leave the hatch open and slowly pull her head up and look at the captain and say, I'm glad we looked through here. And she's just going to <laughs> basically just like make sure we checked, you know, is there a easy enough egress to like use this rope ladder should we require it? Well, how the fuck are the rest of us going to get through there? A disembodied well, voice says to you in your head. <laughs> it's an well, idea. How the fuck else are we going to get through there? <laughs> Quinn. A Quinn voice says to your head. <laughs> well, I thought it was worth looking through. What it is is uh, an opportunity. Uh, should it come to it, we will be able to uh, use two vantage points for this attack. But uh, for now, good knowledge is is what will save the day. Um, we have returned and, and closed those gates. So let's uh, let's get moving again. And she's going to have to wild shape again to a rat form. Maybe, yeah, she'll stay with the rat. Stay in the rat form, and she's going to continue with Quinn. In fact, if she could, she would climb up onto Quinn's shoulder. Uh. Now, speaking of Quinn, what are you up to, and what are you doing with this information that you've been given? Uh... I'm going to, so we're trying to, what are we doing with the levers again? I, I apologize. Closing the gates to we're the students. To the gate, Which you've right? done already. It's so we done. We did that. You did so, the job that you needed to do right. to split the party. So I, <laughs> right. So I, I can go back through the, the, the gate thing, the portal. The teleporter? Teleporter. Portal, yeah, like a little teleporter. teleporter pad or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So Quinn, um, well, first of all, like, so he first feels the the rat. Is that what you're doing? You're climbing up on, on his shoulder. Uh, <laughs> he does not like that at all. Uh, he kind of like tries to shrug, shrug Arasatra off a little bit. Um, I don't know how good rats are at clinging, I guess, but I'm going to try to kind of shake her off a little bit. Try a grapple, grapple contest with a rat. <laughs> I, what, whatever the DM decides, I guess. Um, Arasatra, make a... If you have a uh, stat block for said rat, uh, you can use its dexterity if it is greater than your own, but make a dexterity saving throw, please. Okay. Is this versus a strength check or no? No, this is versus a number I have sitting in my head. Okay. The roll is a 10. I am looking up. There's the rat. Dexterity is plus zero, so it's a 10. Exactly a 10 is not going to quite be enough, and you are summarily ejected from Quinn's shoulder. Um, quite small. You're not going to take any falling damage from that because a rat wouldn't get damage from falling six feet. That sounds bad. She uh, skitters as she hits the floor and just kind of like looks up at him and just like, okay. <laughs> and then 
casually, like as rats usually scurry, she's just like kind of striding, <laughs> striding very slowly onto the portal to, to, to follow you then. Yeah. So I get uh, get onto the portal. Teleporter. Teleporter. Why do oh, I keep that's... saying portal? I don't know. You got me on it too. I mean, it's functionally the same, but not really. It's not Stargate. It's Star Trek. Yeah. Thanks, John. <laughs> Thank you. It's an important distinction we need to make here. As the other two standing on the other side of the teleporter, waiting for our friends to re-arrive while they just not exploring. on it. Well, they've got a few <laughs> things it. to go through before they get to where you are. Because if you are in what we would call room two, they've got to get through at least uh, one, two, three different rooms to get to you. I'm like, glad we skipped that on their way to get to the lovers because that was helpful. Did we, uh, well, me and maybe we hand waved away the dark room that, uh, was the dark room still dark, um, at that point or did we find a way? We removed curse on that. Oh yes. yeah. You removed curse because yeah, you guys found plenty of ways to trivialize most of what I did. <laughs> As per usual. Or it was dispel okay, magic. It was dispel I, magic. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had, you know, multiple different things and a few different ways to get through this one. You know, I tried to keep it a little open-ended, so... Yeah, I'd more or less accounted for it, but still. All right, so you guys go into the formerly dark maze room, and since you've navigated this several times, make it out of there and back to that kind of machiny equipment room. Mm -hmm. Before I get too much further than that, I kind of want to see what Felix and Jarrell have been doing to kill their time. I'm literally just staying alert. Not standing on teleporters. No, but we've already <laughs> fought one of those automata that were on their way to the students, so we are standing watch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Watching the other teleporters to make sure nothing else shows up that we might need to fight. Right, like nothing else comes through. Okay, and uh, you guys are just kind of standing, milling around, maybe making small banter or something like that. Mm -hmm. Anxiously yeah. waiting is more the right uh, term here because Felix's plan is never to split the party. I suppose not. Okay, so well, and we'll cut back to our uh, first group with Quinn and Arasatra in the machinery room, and I take it you're just gonna make a beeline straight back to there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, you go through the machinery room and take the teleporter I have labeled as three back to room number one. You come back in on that self-teleporter, and you know that if you wanted to get back to uh, the rest of the party, you would take the one on the west side of the room. That's what yes. I drew. <laughs> okay, so it's that appears been a month for me, so going, unless uh, you've decided something else. Because um, right. in this room, so you've come in on a, a teleporter platform at the south. There are platforms at the north, west, and east. The one to the north has been destroyed by an automata. The one to the west would take you back to uh, what we would call room number one, which was the first room with the teleporter pads. And the one all the way over at the east would actually take you to the north end of the giant hallway, uh, or the giant open area full of automata at the bottom of the tower. That, uh, you know, appears to be the main point of entry for these automata working their way in. Yep, which we're probably going to have to, when we regroup, we're going to have to go there and probably fight them to retake and, the yeah, White House. See, look, figure out, yeah, whatever, because whatever is going to come through there is going to continue coming through there. 
So, uh, yes, you go through one teleporter and uh, rejoin uh, that, and the party is now reunited in the second teleporter room. Ah, excellent, Quinn. You're back. That was fast. I do everything quickly. Should we check to make sure they're closed? <laughs> we'll go on. Sorry, just that, that comment really got me. Should we check to see if the gates are closed? Yes. Yes, we absolutely should. And then we need to... Well, we need to probably blast our way out of here. Sounds like a plan to me, Felix. We'll uh, go on. <laughs> so do we go back on the teleporter? Yes, the one to send to us... To which one? To where... To the one that... Oh, shit. Which Takes is the one us that to the students. <laughs> Arasaki yes. 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 You see the tiny rat <laughs> scurrying around. Like... Rat? <laughs> There's probably a strategic my... purpose for this. It's it's my last wild shape, and if it was just to crawl through bars, only to crawl through back, she may need to stay in rat form. She can do it up to six hours for the temporary purposes right now. If it can be utilized, she'll stay in rat form. Smart. And other, otherwise, she can just drop it. But that's the last wild shape. So. You have the advantage of being small and innocuous. You have the disadvantage in that you're not going to be able to talk to the party in your character voice or be able to convey any ideas more complex than what a rat could convey through wiggling around. Right. Um, I, would, I would imagine she at least acts in a way that is not natural to a rat. I'm sorry. Has anyone watched Ratatouille? All right. Rats can be expressive. <laughs> so many things. <laughs> well, um, I'm sure they are. Uh, Remy communicated almost solely through pulling on uh, the main character's hair. And gesticulating. They have to... Listen, listen, listen. If the rat had the hand dexterity to pull someone's hair and control them like a puppet, they have enough hand dexterity to stand up and wave. Is all I'm saying. And Jarrell will ask, uh, Quinn, where did uh, that, uh, what was her name? Arisatra, where did she go? You're looking at her. Arisatra, like, crawls out in front of Quinn and, like, sits on the hind legs and just kind of, like, and gives, like, a couple little squeaks at him. Whether or not he even uh, acknowledges it or not. Uh, Jarrell will pick up the rat. Huh. Uh, that is Arasatra. Um, as you approach her, she's going to run towards the western teleporter. Okay. In this room. Okay, well, he'll, he'll pick you up so we can ride the teleporter. Oh, wait, wait. And... Sorry, we're in, the, we're in the room with the northern one destroyed? Yes, you're in the room. Okay. You're currently in the room with the northern teleporter destroyed. The teleporter you entered on is the one in the west. So she goes down to the south one. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. That's what I thought it was yeah. the south one. She goes to the south one uh, to take us to the school hallway. Um, and if Jarrell can catch up to me, he can pick me up. Okay, so Arasatra goes through. Uh, who else is going through? We all are. Yeah, Jarrell's going to hold Arasatra, knowing that that's her in rat form. Okay. All right, so John carrying Arasatra goes through. Felix goes through. Not John, Jarrell. 
Tyrell. I wouldn't pick up a rat. I'm just going to make that clear. <laughs> if it was your transformed friend, would you pick it up? Well, see, Jarrell is fearless, so I have fear of some rats. He cannot be afraid, so he would pick up the rat. Okay. And are we calling Arasatra a friend? Yeah. Oh, boo. She's an intern. <laughs> She's an intern. Yeah. She's not an intern. She's not actually an intern. Nobody just, sent her. Just, <laughs> she just, just showed up. She's a volunteer. She's a volunteer. When HR knocks on your door. She's a volunteer. Um, <laughs> that's exactly what she would say. She, I'm not a hero. I'm a volunteer. Huh. <laughs> well, right now you're a rat, so. Mm. Too true. All right, so we all go through. All right, everybody goes through. And as you materialize into the next room, you do see that all of the gates have their have had their bars lowered. Success. And then back through the teleporter again. <laughs> okay. Were you expecting so, anything different? Okay, so next plan. Just make we sure. need to get back down to the lower level and we need to clear a path for these students to escape to safety. Or or we need to at least clear a path, maybe usher them to the airship and we can evacuate them from the top. One or the other for certain. Um is the sword of justice glowing? Um, let's see. Um, right now, um, okay, so you have gone back. You are in the main area. Mm-hmm. We are, well, right now, we're, we haven't gone, we haven't traveled. We're not in the main area. You are in, the, I'm sorry, the second teleporter room, I should say. Yes. Yep. Sorry, as long I'm as we left the hallway, yeah. Okay, you have left the hallway. You are in the second teleporter room. The Sword of Justice is not currently glowing. Oh, okay. It's the first time it hasn't been right glowing. Until it starts glowing. Oh. And who, doggy, has it just burst into some pretty bright, uh, holy, uh, whatever glowiness flame thing it is? Cool. Like, you've never seen it shine like this before. Oh. Okay. So Jarrell just thinks that the sword's as excited to kill things as he is. <laughs> yes. And just as you're kind of processing that, and, um, what's, what's everyone else's reaction real quick to uh, uh, Jarrell's sword? Is sword glowing? Uh, yeah. Suddenly bursting into glow. It went from zero to about 150 and nothing. It's just another Thursday. I'm going to um, stand behind the glowing sword. My head's glowing, so, you know, this is just par for the course for the heroes here. So about a uh, couple of fractions of a second later, you start to hear a bit of a from the uh, teleporter pad on the other side of the room. The one knowing, that knowing that we're all in this room, Jarrell is going to if if I'm going to use divine sense the second it arrives, and then hit if it's undead immediately. Does that make sense? Um, okay. I don't think uh, you can really queue up two different uh, actions like that. But okay. I'll take fine sense on uh, that uh, you're kind of keeping on retainer here. Okay. 
Um, Anybody else have a quick little reaction? Either what are you thinking or what are you preparing? I do, quick? but this like, is like this is more of a it's going to help Felix and not it's going to help everyone else kind of move. Same. <laughs> well, Arasatra is going to drop her uh, form. She'll try to scamper away from Jarrell as she does that. Knowing that his sword is glowing, I think she was on edge. Now that she hears something coming through the teleporter, she's going to hop off. Quinn casts then, greater invisibility on himself. All right. And you know what? Uh, as, as soon as I'm going to say, as soon as I confirm, so I'm actually going to wait until like I actually have confirmation that this is in fact a hostile on the back half of the room that that person is, you know, or, or thing is entering from. Um, I plan to cast darkness. Yeah, if I, if I can see that it's hostile, I'm going to hit it. If I could, if I can't tell if it's hostile or not, then I would use divine sense. But if it's hostile, obviously I'm going to hit it. Um, just to clarify, we're in this room with the four teleporters. Mm-hmm. You've come back there. We are in a okay. with uh, four plates and three working teleporters as North is destroyed. Okay, just double checking. Which Thank one's whirring? Uh, the one that is going to the main area. Like, this is all, by the way, taking place over the course of about two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Jarrell's ready to hit something. Okay, so Jarrell is ready to hit something, but really what you're ready to do is to divine sense. Unless it's <laughs> obviously. If it's a humanoid, I'm going to divine sense. If it's a robot, I'm going to crush it. Okay. Uh, Quinn, have you already gone invisible, or you're just, uh, you have it queued up? Oh, yeah, I'm going to just go invisible. Okay, so Quinn is gr- uh, invisible, greatly. Greatly invisible. Yes. Greatly. <laughs> Arasatra continues to be a rat. Oh, no, she she wanted to climb off of him and return back to her form. Oh, Arasatra is back to form. Okay, sorry about that. I missed that. I'm sorry. Glad, and that's why I'm glad I confirm these things as I go through. And Felix is... Um, I'm sorry. What were you about ready to do again, Felix? I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna hold the darkness spell because what yes. I also realize about darkness. What I also realize about darkness is that any magical light created by a spell level spell by a spell with a level higher than the darkness spell, which Crown of Stars, is, allows me to still illuminate that if I choose. But if it's the equal to or lower than the spell level, which is always cast at level five, it dispels any magical source of light of that level or lower. All right. So I can kind of briefly give my team glimpses of the thing we're shooting by firing these like stars from my head, essentially, at whatever's in there, because I can see in magical darkness. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm thinking. But All it's right. just prepared. I'm not going to I'm going to cast it once I confirm that this is like something that would be beneficial. So we'll see. I'm not going to really necessarily like just quickly react and do it. I'm going to be more calculated with the way that I use my my stuff. So I would say if there's going to be a surprise round, like count me out of it. Lame. All right. I'm oh, good. So we've got those things ready to go. And and through the teleporter comes a single 
hooded robed figure with uh, both of his hands, palms for facing towards you, hands up, fingers open. I will use divine sense. You're all here. Well, that spares me having to go find you. I will hit it. <laughs> okay, well, we'll start with the divine sense. I mean, no. Undead, consecrated, desecrated, um, fiends, aberrations, celestials, not aberrations, celestials, fiends, undead, consecrated, and desecrated. So, I'm trying to think. Um, is it like a Mr. Black thing again, where like it's a mix it of is. a bunch of? Well, there, there's. It's not so much a mix. It's undead, but it doesn't taste quite the same as undead you're used to. In the same way that if you're drinking diet, if you're expecting diet coke and you got a mouthful of the real thing. You know it's Coke, but it's not the same Coke you were expecting. In the same way, you were expecting an undead, and you definitely sense an undead, but this is not the kind of undead that you were looking for. Like extra undead? <laughs> like... Undead classic? <laughs> undead with a lot more experience, maybe? Uh-huh. Made with like real finely aged undead. Made with right. real evil. Pure evil. Pure cane evil. <laughs> Good. You're all here. Now, I know you're all going to want to take your shots at me, and I'm sure maybe we can. Can I hit him now? <laughs> Sorry. Let him monologue, damn it. It's a villainous <laughs> monologue. Thank you. I'm glad someone understands the meaning of a good time-honored tradition around here. Now, where should we begin, huh? This little, uh, this little summit we're having here. Such a delicious little time, you know, me to threaten, you to banter, and then we'll, we'll reach our common ground or not. I'm really do hoping we are. Could be to all of our benefit. If you expect to kill us, then I guess you wouldn't mind telling me why you're here and who you are. Well, I suppose if I expected to just kill you outright, I could have been done with it. You know what's here. Well, you know what's in the foyer. Maybe you even know how many there are. I'm sure you could probably figure out how many it would take to kill you and understand. If it comes to that, I'm going to use a lot more than that. Uh, Jarrell readies his shield in front of him and prepares to strike with the Sword of Justice, which is glowing like it's never glowed before. You still I haven't mean... told me who you are. Ah, who here. I am, who I am. Oh my gosh. That's not a question I've been asked in a long time, but they've called me Ebenezer once. Maybe a few times. Dun, dun, dun. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. The Ebenezer? No, a Ebenezer. Haven't you heard? I come in six packs. Of course, the Ebenezer. 
Do you really think anyone would dare take that name? After me? I mean, come on, how gauche. Yes, but yeah, I, I am the one that you would understand this Ebenezer, and since I haven't killed you, you might be wondering you know, why all the talk. Well, I have a little proposition for you, you see. There's something I need here, and there's something you need here. And to put it frank, I need what's in that school. I'm afraid I'm going to need all of what's in that school. Now, you're probably going to get all righteous and heroic and indignant and all of those. Really, though, why? Well, I'm asking, leave. Leave me what's in the school. And in return, I will save your world. You know we can't just let you do that. Because there's no way you can guarantee that when you're the one who's been responsible for destroying this whole world to begin with. Why would we be so stupid enough to trust you? Because you've got a choice between me and Vecna, and at least I'm willing to talk to you. We'll take care of you, and then we'll take care of him. Right, (laughs) Captain? You seem to have a little bit of a math problem on your side. You know. You say right, Captain, and Quinn's invisible. (laughs) Stop stop letting him know I'm here. She looks at, and then either Felix or Charles shrugs. You know it's too late for that, right? (laughs) I mean, the invisibility is a nice trick. I learned it back, you know, back in my school days a long time ago, but... Do you really expect me not to, you know, prepare? You think I am some villain out of your Saturday morning comics? Yes. Such as it stands, I need what's in that school. I'm going to have what's in that school. And you can either leave here with your lives and allow me to save your world for you and maybe continue being heroes off somewhere else. While your story ends here, I continue to get what's in the school and I save your world without you in it. But make no mistake, I am doing this. I am doing this now. And you're not stopping me. Oh, I don't like this at all. If our decision is of no consequence to you, and I suppose it's already made. And, uh... Well, realistically, Daryl's gonna try to hit him. All right. Um, yeah, get your surprise round in, and uh, then... Oh, I do get a surprise round, okay. Oh, shit. Okay, all right. Well, fuck. Fuck. That's all I have to say. Uh, fuck. fuck! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not... 100% sure if Arasatra is in the loop on the entire history. It is a very well-told tale. Alright, so she she As knows that land. Ebenezer is least. the one responsible for the foul upheaval that created the fucking Crucible Lands to begin with and destroyed the city of Ul. And Felix, Felix is extra mad because I'm not saying anything out loud here, but 
he's no, clearly. the reason that I am what I am. At least that's what I feel, because I was uh, caught in the blast very far away, but still in the Crucible Lands when it happened. Okay. I just want to make sure we were talking about common knowledge yes. and not, you know, distinct. Well known to the world. Okay. As, like, what we thought initially was the big bad until Vecna came into play. Right. Wow. And now he's the big bad right in front of you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't think a 17 is going to hit. Is a 17 going to hit? A 17 actually will hit. Okay. Well, I'm going to put literally every single drop of power that the <laughs> um, Sword of Justice has in it. Cool. We'll be back in about 20 minutes, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just do your friggin' math already. Three hours later. I got to pick which ones I'm doing. Oh, I should have had banishment set. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Okay. So I don't have a ton of smites left. I will do um, a third level blinding smite and a fourth level divine smite. Okay, swinging for the okay. fences. So I got 3d8 for the blind blinding smite. And let me count how many I got for the divine smite. Alright, so that's 9, 11, d8. <laughs> a lot of ones ship. So I got a 33 divine smite... Uh, uh, Radiant damage and 13 slashing damage. So it's 46 damage. 46, uh, 46 damage total. And uh, let's see, it was all either radiant or magical slashing, correct? Yep. Okay, so uh, that will all go through. All right, that damage goes through, and uh, we have hit. Uh, do you have anything else that you are doing on this combat round? Then, uh, curiosity: no. Does extra attack apply to the attack action on a surprise round? To attacks um, per action? Yeah, I believe it does because it's the same action. Oh, okay. So I can get two attacks off real quick. Well, yeah, as long as your extra attack is part of your attack and not you're not doing something with your bonus action to get that attack, then, yeah, that goes through. Yeah, All right, well, then, extra attack, do you get one or two extra on your turn? Just one. Just one? Okay, just checking. Yeah, yeah I don't have... I'm allowing the attack action as a surprise, I'm allowing the entire attack action. None of the bonus action attached. Like, you're not getting the extra swing out of that or anything, but... Right. Okay, so I hit again with a 20. I'll do a uh, second level Divine Smite. All right. So I got 48 on that. It's 19 Radiant Damage. And 12 Slashing. Sorry, you said so 19 and 12. Uh-huh. Which is another 31. 77 okay. damage total. 
It is quite a bit. Not your best, but not your worst. Definitely not my best. There were a lot of ones in that 10d8. <laughs> a lot of ones and twos. And with your mighty shattering attack, the cowled robe that uh, in, uh, that was uh, clothing Ebenezer here is incinerated in writhing holy flame. Holy laying flame. bare. Yes. Laying bare a slightly more advanced and ever so slightly slimmer automata than you've already seen. Oh. But no less deadly looking and absolutely pouring out through a crack in the middle of its chest that was rent in it by the sword of justice is more of that green smoke. Green, green smoke? smoke. And now we roll for initiative. Already done, brother. Oh, uh, you forgot to do a save against being blinded, or by blinding smite. By blinding smite. Okay. Well, what kind of save uh, does that require? Let me check. Um, I've got one here. I believe it's Constitution. Yep, it is. Okay, blinding constitu- smite Constitution against a it doesn't matter I nat that one. Oh, okay well he's not blinded not that there's a nat on that but a 20 plus 4 is uh, probably going to beat what uh, huh? your DC is it does yeah oh yeah most definitely okay so uh, we've gotten to that uh, midpoint in there and before we get into Arasatra's turn that was exceptionally rude I feel like I've given you a more than generous offer. All right, Arasatra, it's your turn. Um, she's going to step to a side where she doesn't have Jarrell in a line of sight. Because I imagine he just he just barged right in at him. She needs to get to the side and get a clear line of sight on Ebenezer, and she is going to wave her staff. And then you're going to see her eyes kind of roll back as she like breathes in deeply. And then her opposite hand starts to glow and it gets brighter and brighter. And she's going to cast daylight. Actually, no. So let's cast sunbeam. That's the one. Sunbeam. A beam of brilliant light flashes out from my hand in a five foot wide, 60 long cone or 60 long uh, line line. I'm just aiming straight at it. And it must make a constitution saving throw. Uh, the old Pregnard special. All right, one constitution saving throw coming right up. It's going to come to a 22. Yes, that saves. But it's going to take... Eight radiant damage. When you take that eight radiant damage. You're concentrating on this, right? It's like literally just a beam that you're like firing out in a line. I can create a new line of radiance as my action on any turn until the spell ends, which also means so long as I maintain concentration, I can do other actions and other things and then just blast them anytime I want to. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Also has a chance if they fail that save to blind. But he'll take some radiance, and I'll hold concentration on that, staying in my position so long as it's clear. 
and I'm not going to hit anyone else. All right. Uh, anything else out of your turn there, Arasatra? Um, I think that'll be it. Fantastic. Our, uh, Felix, the plays to you. So what I'd like to do is try to first place the I want to hex I want to hex this thing. Which hex? But I don't know if I want to do it just okay. yet. I think I'm going to wait. I think I'm going to wait on that. Instead, I'm going to use my action. Uh, I'm going to. Is there? Is there about a, at least like a, an area I can create a 20-foot radius sphere where I can encompass Ebenezer but not Jorel? Where, well, or at least the automata of Ebenezer. Okay, let's uh, take a quick look here. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. So this room has a 70-foot diameter. Ebenezer is just off of the platform, so uh, he would be about 5, 10, 25 feet away from the edge of uh, the teleporter platform you would have come into this room on. Okay, so I should be able to kind of place it sort of around the teleporter, like, like on the teleporter so that yeah. the edge of the spell's effect hits him. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, you could science that out uh, or math it out or whatever to make it work, yeah. Great. I'm not drawing a terribly detailed diagram of the room for my notes. I figure we'll figure it out. Okay, so what we're going to do here um is we're gonna cast synaptic static so felix is going to um you're gonna see him kind of like put his hands out to the side and then clap him over his head with his hands like pointed up and um there's like an explosion of psychic energy that happens there and I need him to make an intelligence saving throw against a 19 and he is definitely not going to succeed good finally that is fantastic so the first thing that happens is he's going to take 8d6 psychic damage alright Twenty-eight psychic damage. All right. And after a failed save, a target has muddled thoughts for one minute. During that time, it rolls a d6 and subtracts the number rolled from all its attack rolls and ability checks, as well as its Constitution saving throws to maintain concentration. Nice. The target can make the target can make an intelligence saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself as a success. So, until the end of its turn, right, you know, it can, make, it can repeat that save, essentially, right? But uh, for the next minute, yeah, D, minus D6 on attack rolls and ability checks and con saving throws to maintain concentration. Because it's been assaulted with an explosion of psychic energy. Do you and roll the D6 action, once and subtract that each time, or do you roll it every time? For each, for each roll, it subtracts that D6. The same, does he, the same D6? You no, you roll it for each individual roll has a d6 subtracted from it. So you roll yeah, the d6 okay. for each roll. Um, 
And then as a bonus action, since my crown of stars has been act- is active and its duration is an hour, uh, I'm going to fire one of the another one of the moats at all right Ebenezer. Right now is that uh, is a free or is a, that a bonus, bonus. action to fire? It's a bonus that? Uh, that is off your bonus. Okay. Does a twenty-four hit? Yeah, twenty-four will do the job. We've established seven. seven. Oh, that's right. Okay, good. No, just checking. You know, spells different. Feel free to recap. He fired a star from his crown of stars. It's me, and that's twenty radiant damage. And another twenty radiant damage. Okay, this thing is—it's not looking great, to be honest. And then um, I'm going to actually use my movement. Just going to head 25 feet a little further back. Okay. Because I, um, I think I still have some realist. I think I still have some. Get yourself I was, about 20 feet back before your butt's against the wall. I'm okay with that. Okay. All right. Felix is butt up against the wall. That's my turn. And, uh, yeah. Ebenezer is making slightly jerky movements now, like something isn't quite working right with him. And Quinn, where do your turn? Okay, so Jarrell is up with Ebenezer, correct? Uh, Jarrell, yeah, he has, of course, boldly and nobly stored, strode forward right up into the grill of the mighty Ebenezer. Okay, so I invisibly... Uh... What am I, 20 feet from Jarrell? Yeah, about 20 feet sounds right. Sure. Okay, so I stroll 20 feet up to Jarrell. I take off invisibility and instead cast Bear's Endurance on Jarrell, where he gets 2d6 extra hit points, temporary hit points as well as advantage on constitution saving throw. Very nice. So you are getting nine extra hit points, Jarrell. You have nine temp cool. HP. Not, yeah, nine temp HP. And then he takes 10 feet back, because I have 30 feet. So he takes 10 feet back. He then action surges and casts shatter at like beyond Ebenezer so it only hits Ebenezer and Jarrell. Yeah. And I was say, you should be able to she should be able to center at the same place I did with Synetic Static to only hit Ebenezer. Oh so I can so I can miss Jarrell? Yeah, I mean I guess it's it's it has a similar radius, right? To it's a twenty foot radius. Ten, ten foot. Oh yeah. So you can place it behind Ebenezer and not hit Jarrell. Like in the same way. Okay, so there's there is ten feet behind Ebenezer. There's twenty feet behind Ebenezer. Oh okay, perfect. So then um yeah I place it because it's a sixty foot range. So I can definitely make that. So that is gonna be uh, at third level that's gonna be three D eight. So you just hear he hears a loud ringing noise and it just pierces his ears. Uh oh First, he, he has to make a constitution saving throw. Sorry. Minus six. Uh, AD six. <laughs> minus AD six. Or, yes. Well, you would have also had advantage. That's why I gave you the bear's endurance. If, yeah, that makes sense now. 
It still helps. But even still, I, I like still yeah. helpful. Okay, so he's um, well. Where's the d6 that we're involving here? Do you roll it? Oh, Does Dave uh, roll subtracted it? From, subtracted from You just uh, you subtract that. D, you roll the d6 with it and just subtract that d6. Actually, I'll roll it. All right. You're gonna subtract six from that Constitution saving throw. Which sadly only gets me a 15. Yay! I have a 17. Yay! Okay. So you are gonna take four d8 damage, thunder damage. Seventeen thunder damage. All right. So is he deafened? Well, it's uh, before we get into that. Normally, I would uh, let you describe things in this situation, but what does happen is with that blast of thunder. Not only is Ebenezer destroyed, but the entire wall, back wall of the tower that was in the area, the uh, the whole first inch of the stone is just shattered and blasts into rock powder. Oh, wow. Can we see outside? And, no, like there's still more of it. You've just blasted off like the first inch of about two feet of rock. Okay. It's quite dramatic, and the automata that uh, was Ebenezer is destroyed. Uh, well, good job. That was that was too easy. Got him. That was too easy. I agree with that. I'm afraid the platform starts whirring again. I used way too high of a spell on this, that asshole. This, this may not be over yet. Uh, Jarrell prepares to strike again. Right. I'm standing there at the ready. Do you think and right away. Another automata does come through. Looks disdainfully at the one on the floor. Looks up. I told you. I know how many I'm going to use. Uh, Daryl hits him. <laughs> well, uh, here's an interesting thing. Do we continue on the same initiative or do we re-roll right back into it? <laughs> That's your call, buddy. Okay, good. We're on Ebenezer's turn in initiative then. Stop letting me make calls like this. I think well, it makes you're sense. You're the DM. Though, That's your job. Same. Yeah. I We're know, but I'm a malevolent, terrible DM. No, you're pretty great. Yeah. Listen, Ma the more, more malevolent, like, the better the DM. Terrible, kind of terrible. We'll see. I yeah. stand by what I said. We've thwarted <sighs> you before. You go back at it. Oh, yes. How many times in a row? How much magic do you think you have? More importantly... How long before your paladin's faith wears in? And the automata begins to swing. All right, let's see. What do we got? We Does, he Does he still have no, minus six? Does he still have minus six? That is a different thing? target. Yeah, okay. It doesn't transfer. Target. Damn. That was really helpful. I'm sure it was. It was momentarily. 
Okay, so you have a 26 and a, uh, let's see, 22. Ah, they both hit. Yes. What is it swinging? It is swinging its two arms. It is essentially the automata you were fighting earlier. But just shaped differently. Or is talking. Well, the first one was shaped differently. This one is shaped like every other one. Oh, so this one's like the regular ones. I this see. one is like the regular ones. So they could all be Ebenezer. <laughs> Shit. We have to beat every single last one of them, or else there's more of him. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. They're like Horcruxes. Right. Maybe. Except there's whole boatloads of them in the bottom now. Right. I mean, there was a lot uh, around before, and he just brought an entire other colony. So, yes, uh, so he swings with the two of those, and let's see, those are going to be one, two. All right, so uh, it's going to start with 17 bludgeoning damage. Okay. 11 radiant damage. And 9 necrotic damage. Okay. Off of the first attack. Seventeen bludgeoning damage. Nine radiant damage. And six or seven necrotic damage from the other. Glad I give you that 10 pit points. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, there were only nine of them, but they were useful. I don't feel any more obligation to you. I gave you your out. Now I'm just going to keep coming until you are third destroyed. Like I told you, I will have what's in this tower. And uh, it moves on to, uh, let's see, yeah, we're back to Jarrell's turn initiative. Uh, Jarrell is not looking too great. Um, let's see. That's not a good sign when there's a column of these things waiting for us. Right. I'm going to do the attack action. I'm going to attack it twice. I have an idea, too. I, I also have an idea. I also have I mean, I have a plan. <laughs> I have uh, put all of the tools into your hands to successfully solve this. So I hit twice. As right. long as the as long as the uh, DC is the same. Um well, yes. Uh, the um, is um, yeah. If you're trying to beat a seven, or if both of those beat a seventeen, then yes, they will hit. The yep. PC is exactly the same. All right. Um, I will make that a first level and a third level divine smite. So that's another ten d eight radiant damage, which is forty seven. Much better this time. 22 slashing. 
47 radiant damage and 22 slashing damage. Okay. If it means anything to you in uh, in terms that oh. we've set out, uh, this thing is more than bloody. Okay. Sorry. Um, I would like... I would like to do two things. Well, no, I can't do the last one because I already did an attack. But I would like to use Turn the Tide to at least make sure that I don't drop. Okay. Channel Divinity, here we go. Yep. I get 1d6 plus my charisma mod. And if anybody else was injured, which I don't think they were, um, all of you get this too. But it's not temporary HP. I got nine back. Which is okay. Hey, it's better than nothing. Anything else on your turn? No, that's it. That's all I can do right now. Okay, play passes to Arasatra. Uh, she still has her uh, sunbeam ready. Yep. Because that concentration sunbeam doesn't uh, doesn't rely on your target, just on you. Nope. Yep. Just just up to one minute. <sighs> so uh, she's kind of frustrated and fed up. She's looking at this thing, thought it was something else and was deceived and now it seems she understands like something controls all of these things. And she's like burning her hand, just like brighting, uh, lighting up the entire room. And uh, she's just, she winces and she just says you talk too much. I'm gonna burn your eyes out. And uh, we'll shoot another sunbeam at her, or at, at the at the automaton. And I forgot to say, um, it's making a constitution saving throw at disadvantage, if it's undead or a construct. All right, I feel it like both. it could uh, yeah, match either of those. So it's making a con save at disadvantage, you said? Correct. All right, so in 18, because I got a 14 and a 19 on the die. An 18 passes. It saves. So it is not blinded, but it's going to take uh, this radiant damage. It'll just take half of it. So 11 plus 4, because we got to round down. So 15 radiant damage. Mm. Such righteous indignation. How many of my soul forge do you think you can make through before even that indignation runs out? Um, she wants to yell over to Felix, like realizing this thing is just full of empty promises and and just useless threats. We need to we need to stop them from getting what they're after. I have a plan. 
and she's unfamiliar with your catchphrase. Uh, she's always seen like the random things that end up occurring, you know, as as these situations unfold. So um, she still has like a wide look in her eye, but she's holding concentration on her sunbeam and trying to just focus away uh, on these automata coming through the head. All right. Anything else on your turn, Arasatra? That'll do it. Okay. Uh, let's see. And we're back down the list to Felix. Okay. I recall back when we first entered the lighthouse from the top, one of these automata was destroying one of the teleportation platforms. Correct. I'm going to fire three Eldritch Blasts at the teleportation platform that this is entering in from. Hmm. All right. Going for broke. All three shots. Sounds good. Fire away. Yeah, the lowest is a 16. Then I have a an 18 and a 30. Yeah, um, you do know it's a stationary object. You're fine. Don't care. Still gotta, still gotta make the attack roll. Yeah, I mean you're correct. Oh. Amazing. Thirty-six force damage. Thirty-six force damage. An entire chunk of the back of it is blasted away. There's still some teleporter disc remaining. It's still got a l crackling with a little bit of energy. But now you can physically see that energy crackling through the air near it. Yeah, and then I'm going to fire one of the motes of light from my head at this teleporter as well. All right. At the teleporter? You already broke the teleporter. <laughs> it's not broken entirely. No, I had a number in my mind. Yeah. And you said you had done 34 to it so far? Yes. Okay. And and since we're we're already operating under the assumption that like an eighteen or a twenty is gonna hit, so I'm just gonna roll the four D twelve. Yeah, yeah, just roll that beautiful beam footage. Oh my god, twelve, twelve, ten, four. Oh so you broke it. Thirty thirty-eight radiant damage. The platform is destroyed utterly. Good luck getting up here, I say to the automata. I told you I needed what was in the school. I didn't say anything about needing the tower. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's how we want to do things. That's how we're going to do things, I suppose. All right, Quinn, it is your turn. What what worked the first time can work a second time. Cast Shatter again at third level. All right. Save. It's got to make a save. Oh, yeah. Con save, right? Making that con save. Um, is it still making it at a disadvantage for any reason? Nope. Nope. Oh, Phil didn't have it at disadvantage? There's no AOE anything to it. So, you know, like that initial thing I did was only for the one that was initially affected. Well, it comes up with a 17. I, my, D, yep, is 17. The matches. Does it take any damage on a failed save? 
Or does it hit them? Sorry, does it take any damage on a successful save? So, so even is fail, right? Even if it if if it matches, it passes. Right, right, right. Well, right, I failed. So, okay, so um, it takes half damage. I rolled four d eight. It was seventeen, so it'll take eight damage. Right. And I'm going to I'm gonna stay where I am. I'm good. That's my turn. Alright. And we have gotten back to Ebenezer, who is going to make his attacks at the paladin in front of him. Any last words, hero? Uh, Gerald says nothing. 21 and a 28 to hit. 21 matches, so that hit too. Let's see, it's 12 bludgeoning, 4 radiant, 3 necrotic. Okay. And another 11 in bludgeoning, 5 radiant. And six necrotic. Jarrell looks like he's barely standing. Oh, isn't that a pity? Well, I suppose it's. I suppose it really is the sudden stop at the end and the kills you. All right, we're on to Jarrell's uh, retort, I suppose. <clears throat> Again, like barely standing, uh, Jarrell is going to take, I guess, two swings. All right. A 19 and a, well, that was like a way more than a 19. But they, they both hit. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> Jarrell is not going to use a divine smite on this one. Now, now this machine is looking pretty damaged, right? It is looking pretty damaged, yes. You're, and you already okay. get improved device, my plus the sort of justice damage on it, anyways. So you're already right. going to be dealing. Plus is that? Is that? Oh, I, I get improved device, might just anytime I hit. Every I thought, time I thought, you hit. Okay. Without. So I get, I get, I get, I get two d six. That's four d eight. I was actually doing that wrong the whole time. Because I'm yeah, fool. Yeah, the d eight, the d eight from improved device, might is on any hit. Oh, I've been using it the whole time. So that's 17 radiant damage and 17 slashing damage. So let's see. One second. It's 34. Yes, which is one more than the number you needed to beat, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> well, he was one him. less than he needed to beat me. So. <laughs> okay, so good. First, I need you to get a little descriptive, and then I'm going to get a little descriptive. Uh, Jarrell hits it once with a, the, the radiant sword and then just uh, impales it in the center mass. All right. So your sword is right through the middle of this thing, huh? Yep. The form of uh, this automata, this soul forged that uh, Ebenezer was controlling, shudders briefly a few times and explodes in a a blinding flash of holy flame. Holy flame, okay. Flame. Does anybody have a way to revive Jarrell? Because he's down. 
Well, Ed, stop a moment. I'm not done being descriptive yet. Mm-hmm. So, while your sword is still held out in front of you, where it would be through the middle of this now exploded automata, a the sword shakes a little bit, and what appears to be a, a good amount of silver off of the blade falls to the floor revealing a very delicate gold filigree going up the entire length of the blade on both sides. Oh, wow. The sword uh, improved, huh? I figured this was a time. Yeah, cool. And just as much as you may like what that new sword has to bring, if you are audience like us, you can find us on (laughs) We're in such places as Twitter and the gram at Hapless Heroes. We're on Facebook, Hapless Heroes Podcast, and we are on Reddit slash r slash Hapless Heroes Podcast. Every single one of those places, however, will take you to the crown jewel of our internet presence. Just the crown jewel of Dave's presence. Our Discord server, the sort of place where uh, you can meet, interact with, hang out with us, and talk to us on a daily basis about anything D&D related and many and most things non-D&D related. It's a great place. It's a wonderful community, and we would absolutely love, we would be overjoyed if you were to join us there and come aboard and be part of our community. Now, if you really like us, though, you could leave us a five-star review on the podcast service of your choice, and at this point, this deep into the podcast, I feel like you've probably chosen the podcast service, and being an adult, you can probably navigate how to leave us a five-star review. If you do so, and we see it, we do check for these sorts of things, but we're not infallible. If, you know, if you've left one a while ago and you haven't seen us, just you know, shoot us a message on our Discord or email. You know, Give us a little poke to where it is. Because what we want from that is to read it on the air so that we can give you credit as a five-star human being. But if you want to go a little past that, if you maybe really, really like us, you could donate to our Patreon, patreon.com slash haplessheroes. And uh, we've got several different uh, reward levels. Oh, yeah. Plenty of uh, plenty of awesome stuff behind the scenes. Audio, bloopers, uh, contents of James's notebook from episode one to a hundred. Uh, you know, we even like host like game nights sometimes with like some of our patrons, like current and former. Uh, we just, you know, we're always trying to find ways to give back to you. And once again, we're, this is September. Uh, this is about when we start paying our hosting costs and you've managed to help us put the funds away to secure that to pay our hosting costs for the year again. So kudos to all of y'all who've donated. I really deeply appreciate you. You've helped us keep us going uh, and, and keep, you know, just uh, it's, it puts the wind in ourselves. It truly does. We really appreciate it all. And if you like us, love us, really, really like us, Sally Field and the whole deal, you will host your own, your very own live streamed because this is the age of pandemic. Hapless heroes rave from your living room. Whatever tunes you want to play and broadcast them to the world while maybe remixing our episodes on top of it. So that it's Hapless Heroes with a twist. And we're all going to be dancing in our living rooms, bedrooms, or our offices, or wherever you're enjoying it from. And, and you will be the greatest DJ slash 
podcast the world has ever seen. Yeah. Doable. Totally doable. Absolutely and doable. We, would, we would, we would, you know, we'd love it. Anyway, because you can't really go any further than that. And there's not much there. There are no new horizons for me to drive this uh, particular episode to. We're just going to put it back in the garage. And we're going to do so by outroing our cast, starting from my left with Arasatra, played by Phil. We're going to be here all day. What are we going to do? To his left, we have Lord and Captain Quinn Southwind, played by Mike. These are the two things I hate the most. Rats and automatons. To his left, we have Lord Jarrell the Light, played by John. <laughs> Phoenix, look at my sword. And to his left, we have the fabulous Felix Fizzlebottom, played by Francesco. That's super cool, but we need an exit plan now. My name is Dave, and I have been your host and Dungeon Master for this evening. It's so good to uh, finally be back together as a group, getting on our main arc, and we are going to be so stoked to continue next week to see this one out. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.